going live. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the episode two, or the second episode, pardon me, of Ballers Paradise Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Arbogast, and I have my amazing co-host with me, Matt Gilbert. And we thank you all very much for tuning in for the second episode of the podcast today. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, guys, remember, uh, comments and everything. Remember, it's audience feedback. Uh, do stuff with you. So, again, you know, we just looked up a lot of the more recent uh, NBA topics that we should talk about today regarding you know, professional and stuff like that. Who knows what we're going to get into next episode, but, Mac, let's get on with today's episode. And, obviously, I think this was coming nonetheless. Tyron Lue is now gone from the Cleveland organization. Uh, the Cavs have now fired Tyron Lue after a six after an 0 six start. Pardon me. Uh, the rumors ha- rumors have came about the Cavs recently that they were trying to set their veterans only play their young guys, trying to tank the season. And Larry Drew has also been rumored to be the interim head coach, but he wants confirmation for more than a year from this organization. Uh, however, he does not want to be named their interim head coach overall. Mac. So my first question to you is, what do you think of the firing of Tyron Lue only six games into the year? You know, I thought it was long overdue. I kept saying over and over last year, fire Ty Lue, fire Ty Lue. But it was time because it was an interesting question to see, can he coach this team without LeBron? After going 0-6, he proved he couldn't coach it without LeBron there. So LeBron kind of was the anchor of that team last year. So he deserves to be fired. I mean, he's a good guy. I wish him all the best. But without LeBron... His coaching skills do not fit into this team. I don't know if they fit into any team. I don't know if it's time for him to retire or not. Personally, I don't think he's that good of a coach. But I'm kind of glad we're moving on. And Larry Drew is our interim head coach. He deserves to be our full-time coach because he's proven he can coach in the NBA. He coached the Hawks. He did really well with them. Yes, I, I would agree with you with that, Mac. Now, I wouldn't go so far to say Tyron Lewis was a bad head coach after all. He got Cleveland the 2016 National Championship after all. He did. I mean, I'm not saying – I mean, personally, I don't like him, but you also have to remember who he had. There's that old saying, you win with talent. Yeah. Tyron right. Lewis had LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. J.R. Smith was pretty good at that time. Mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson was pretty good at that time. Matthew Deli Dadova was pretty good at that time. And who else do we have? Maz, Timothy Mazkoff, he was pretty good at that time. I could just go on naming that entire roster. You but, could. But that roster was good at that time. The Cavs only have, I think, one, two, um, three players left from that that team that went to the finals and... 2016. I mean, that won the championship. They only have like three players still. Yeah. On the team. Yeah, going to this season, you have Kevin Love, JR, and Tristan Thompson. All yep. left from that 2016 uh, championship team, actually. Uh, Channing Fry came back, so I don't know if you can. Well, yeah, well, yeah, you can't include him. So before then, me right now, I, you know, this is good for Cleveland to get a new head coach. You could definitely tell that Tyrone Liu was not a good head coach by any means whatsoever when it came to defense. Like he was fine offensively. You know, they were pretty good How, offensively. Yeah, tell me about that. How last year were they ranked 29th out of 30 teams defensively with one of the greatest players to ever play this game? Because that's, that's what they had last year. They had one of the greatest players to ever play this game. And they were ranked 29th defensively. They always say defense wins championships. You can tell with a with a v- terrible defense like that. They obviously, I'm not trying to be mean, but they deserved to get swept having that bad of defense. Don't get me wrong. If they won game one, they would have been a completely different series. But they didn't. And now here we are at this point in the season. Cavs are 0-6. They've yet to get the they have yet to get a win uh, so far this season. It was definitely, you know, like I said, long overdue. Tyrone Liu, he's always going to be remembered for getting into that championship. And um, 
taking over the head coaching duties when David Black got fired halfway through halfway through that season. See, I still I still don't know if that was really um, the smartest move they could have made. It was firing David Blatt halfway through the season. LeBron really did not give David Blatt a chance to be David Blatt. He was with David Blatt as the coach. I'll just tell you this right now, and you can read about this in the book Return of the King by Mark Winhorst. Mm-hmm. LeBron would grab David Blatt's playbook out of his hands and say, nope, we're going with something different. Yeah. And- so David Blatt really didn't get a chance to be a head coach here. So I think he ended up going back to Russia. Yeah, he's playing, he was coaching, I think, in the Turkish league. Uh, of course, we've all seen him over social media. Uh, I, I'm kind of happy for him because, I mean, in that league, he's one of the best coaches to ever coach the game. Yeah, I I would agree in the, you know, those kind of international leagues. But back to Ty Lue real quick. Defensively, that's where his biggest drawback was. Every year he coached the Cats, they were bottom in the league in defense, whether it was just bottom five or you know second to last or whatever the case may be. They they just weren't a good defensive team. Yes, they made it through the offense and stuff, but you got to remember, last year they almost didn't even make it unless LeBron goes out there and plays 48 minutes against Game 7 and in, in, against the Celtics in Boston. Without a Kyrie Irving and a Gordon Hayward, too. Yeah, and that's pretty scary on it its is. own there. They'll have LeBron play the whole game and not get a single minute or second of rest. And just him keep plugging away in there. He, uh, you know, I wish him, I think he's going to do well. As a, He's only good as an assistant head coach, in my opinion. He has yet, he's a fantastic offensive coach, but they really need to work on their, on his, he really needs to work on his defensive schemes because you could definitely tell with the Cavs that it just was not working. You know, their defense was terrible. They were giving up at least 115 a game. You know, don't get me wrong, they were scoring about 117, 118. But you can't give up as much as you score, and unless you're Houston. But even you know we, we're seeing what's going on with Houston right now. I know, not not the best start to their season either. But you can't you can't just rely on your offense every every game. There's got to be a great defense. A great defense leads to a great offense. That is true. Yeah, exactly. So Tyrone Liu, you wish you the best. I'm pretty sure he'll get, he'll get a, at least an assistant coaching job here again soon. I don't know about head coaching, oh, I, but definitely. Oh, assistant. I definitely see him getting an assistant coach job soon because, yeah. as we said, I think the man's a genius when it comes to an assistant. It's kind of like yes. a Mike Brown, mm-hmm. great assistant coach, now a good head coach. Yeah, there's a really good head coach now for Philly. Uh, we're gonna go back. Who's to- a really good head coach for Philly now? Mike Brown. Mike Brown, the Mike Brown who used to coach the Cavs, is now coaching in Philadelphia. Oh, I thought you were talking about. Oh, never mind. That's Brett Brown. My, 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 no, Mike Brown's an assistant coach for a Golden State. Yeah, I thought you. I thought you meant Brett. That's my bad. Uh, so yeah, let's get. Uh, there's actually two more questions I want to ask you about this Cavs team real quick that I think we should talk about. Uh, you know that tactic that I mentioned before with them only playing the young guys and cutting veterans like Jr. and Kyle Korver. Out of the out of rotation, which is what you know, r- reports have came out today is what they have done with t- with that system right now. What do you think about that? You know, personally, I don't like that. Honestly, I think it's a bad move for the Cavs and the organization. Uh, you know, the veterans are just they're vets. They need to teach the young guys how to play, and they need to go out and say, "Hey, I've been in the league for eight nine years. This is how you need to play," and they need that guidance on the court. A rookie like Colin Sexton's going to need that type of guidance in his career because he's rejected to be a pretty good player. You know, the Cavs have some young players, don't get me wrong, but I also feel like they have a couple too many veterans too. Like, I think they need to trade. You really only need, like, maybe two or three veterans on the team. Minus Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance... Um, who else is there? Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, Larry Nance. There's another one. George Hill. George Hill's not young anymore, so he's a no. veteran. So, um, him, uh, Colin Sexton. That's four young guys. The rest of your team is pretty much veterans. Mm-hmm. We're at a time now with the Cavs where we should be in a rebuilding phase. 
We shouldn't really be into a uh, phase where most of the guys we have are at the twilight of their career. So I kind of disagree with this. I think we do need to trade at least one or two veterans and get some young players here and rebuild this team. You know, that, that that is an interesting take on I like that, but I would personally think, you know, they signed Kevin Love to that extension. But Kevin Love is another one. I mean, Which we'll keep, get to Kev- here in a second. keep Kevin Love, but he's also a veteran. So, like, once you get past um, maybe 28 years old, that's when you start considering players veterans. I wouldn't necessarily say 28. Because, like, Damon Lillard and John Wall are now 28, and they're... They're in the prime of their career. The yeah, prime so, of their so they're career. not really veterans right now. They're still in their prime. I think, the, I think when you're considered a veteran, veteran probably probably towards the end of your prime, like 32, 33, that when, that's when you'd be considered a veteran. Kind of like LeBron is right now. Yeah, he's kind of still, quote-unquote, in his prime, but he's still a veteran because he's been in the league for 16 years now. And that mileage tends to add, add up. Uh Personally, I think with what what the Cavs should do right now is you know, uh, you know they what, need more guys under the age of thirty is what they need. Yeah, presumably, presumably they do, but you know they have to really look at Kevin Love and say, hey, we signed him to this extension. What do we do with him? That's gonna be, I think, their biggest thing going forward. I I personally don't like this tactic. You have to be professional with it. it to me, it doesn't really give off a professional kind of look. In my personal opinion. So let's move on to the third question out of this first topic. And that is, will, will Larry Jew eventually become the, in, the interim head coach? Uh, if not, then who should they hire as the permanent coach? Because, you know, there, there are conflictions right now with him not wanting to be assistant, uh, assistant head coach. Uh, the interim head coach due to uh, the turnover in the Cavs organization because... You know, in these past seven years, they've they've gone or past five years, excuse me, they've gone through seven coaches in five years. That's not a good turnaround, and that, that's something that that Larry Drew's thinking about. Too. Let's let's think about this. Can I see if I can name all seven coaches? Hmm. Mike Brown. Yep. Byron Scott. Yep. Mike Brown again. Yep. David Blatt. Yep. Tyron Lue. Yep. Larry Drew. Yeah, there's got to be that's one. There's six. one. There's one other one though. It's before Mike Brown came in. Paul Silas. That's probably it's probably Paul Silas. I wouldn't. I Paul wouldn't Silas was the guy that the Cavs had when they originally drafted LeBron in two thousand three. So yeah, seven coaches in fifteen years. That's not a very good track record for an organization. Be turning over coaches left and right. Obviously. Uh, so Mac, do you, do you think they're eventually going to hire? Uh, uh, Larry Drew as their interim head coach. You know, I I really do. I really think they do. Okay. I think, and he deserves it too because he's done. When Tyrone Lue had that leave last year for health reasons, Larry Drew came in, and the Cavs looked better than they had all season with Larry Drew than they looked with Tyrone Lue. They won, I think, nine out of thirteen with Larry Drew. So. I think he deserves it, and I think if Dan Gilbert is smart, he goes with Larry Drew as his new head coach. Yeah, I would at least like to see Larry Drew finish out the season. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong; he's a great head coach. He was for the Hawks for many years. You know, he you know he led them to playoffs at least four or five consecutive years, which is great in itself. But he's done such a fantastic job as an assistant head coach, to where I don't know if I'd really want him. You know. I would I would love to li- love to see him finish out the year, but to me to get to take the next step as a franchise, you're gonna have to get someone like Mark Jackson or Jason Kidd or Kevin McHale in there, because if you get one of those three guys, I think you're pretty much set with a Kevin Love and Colin Sexton duo. I think it's more potent. I don't know. Jason Kidd hasn't proven he's a good coach, but. It depends on what he's used for too, because he, Jason Kidd, is one of those guys where he was a great player in the in his day. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna he w- is to me the kind of guy who would make Kevin Love and Colin Sexton want to stay here. Like, oh, yeah. That's just well, yeah, who Jason a, Kidd is. Oh well, yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know if he's the best coach, but 
Well, well, I don't think he's the best coach out of three. If I had to say, I I would give it to probably Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale. Out, out of three of those. You know, Jason Kidden, who was the other one? Mark Jackson. Uh, Mark Jackson's a pretty good coach. Yeah, I would, but, but, but I would give it knowing McHale's track record of drafting. Uh, Mikhail is know. a very good coach. James Harden and Dwight Howard just didn't like him in Houston. No. It worked out for them. They did get Mike D'Antoni, but I think they really, we really need to get uh, Kevin McHale. But right now, I think even more so than getting Kevin McHale, we keep um, Larry Drew as our interim head coach. Yeah, at least for the season. That's how I see it. Uh, so, next topic here, Mac, will obviously be going back to Kevin Love. Uh, you know, news broke today that Kevin Love will be out for over a month now uh, with a toe injury. Uh, he has missed the past two games with that same injury as well. Can the Cavs get a win without him? That's our first question. Can, can the Cavs get a win without him? I don't know. He's the only all-star they have. Right now, I feel like everything the Cavs are doing is in the hands of Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. He's a rookie. Yeah. You're right. This rookie's not LeBron James, so I don't see the Cavs really doing anything without Kevin Love right now. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's going to be a while before they get their first win. If anything, they'll get their first win against the Hawks when the Hawks come back to play about a week from now, uh, next Tuesday, roughly. Um, you know, Sexton's going to be a phenomenal player, but don't forget, you know, Kyle Korver was an all-star in 2015, so that's... Something that everyone forgets about him. He was an all-star in 2015 just because of the Hawks culture there. Uh, Boone Hoser when they won 60 that year. But I, I just can't see him winning. You know, like, like you said, he's their only all-star. He's their only potent offensive production on that team right now. He's a double-double guy easily. You know, 19-13 is what he's averaging this year. But I can't see how this team could get a win with their defense not being good at all. There, there's a reason why they're bombing the league in defense is because they're getting up too many scoring opportunities. Tristan Thompson, whenever he's playing, is not locking down the paint. Larry Drew's at least doing not Larry Drew. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. is doing well for them defensively, but there's no one else on that team that can really defend. Like Jr. never did really. The only time he really played defense was in the finals in 2016. Besides that, he's quoting himself as being a two-way player. He's not even close to that. If anything, he's just a three-point specialist, if anything like that. Uh, so, to me, I don't see him getting a win for at least a while. It'd probably have to be against, like, the Suns or the Nets. Well, they lost to the Nets, so that really came and worked. So, it had to be um, probably to the Suns, if anything. Yeah, I, I don't know. I see, I see this team going 0-whatever. 0-10, probably 0-15 here soon. Oh, at least. At least 0-15. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's almost... An imperfect season, like if it were if basketball were like football. Oh yeah. Wonder, wonder if they went zero and sixteen. That would be like the second Cleveland team to do it in within a year period. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's because true. you had the Browns do it last year. I think it was right after New Year's in twenty eighteen where they lost their last game of the year and went zero and sixteen. Yep. Yep. And then you got. The Cavs, who are probably going to do it too, because they lost the Almighty King, LeBron James. Yep. Well, here's a twist for you, Mag. I think this is going to be kind of interesting. Uh, should the Cavs trade Love in February whenever trade deadline comes around uh, and do a similar thing to what the Clippers did? You know, they traded Blake Griffin after signing him to that massive extension last year. Five years is roughly about you, 150, roughly. You know, this is tough for me to say because I do love Kevin. I mean, I can't say I love Kevin Love. I like Kevin Love as a player, so this is very tough for me to say this, but I have to say trade him just because we're at that time right now where we really need to start rebuilding this team. Trade him. You get draft picks, maybe another young player or two that you can develop and rebuild this team. Yeah, I would agree with you, but who would you get back, though? I understand the draft picks, but... I don't know if someone's gonna is going to is willing to give up a lottery pick for Kevin Love though, unless it's someone that could really, really use need, him. We don't really need a lottery pick. We oh, need like yes, a, you do because you, you need maybe one lottery pick, but you also need like if you can get some. We're struggling enough 
where we could probably get a lottery pick just based on our record. I know, but remember, the Hawks have the pick, though. Now, Cleveland doesn't get a top 10 pick and immediately goes to the Hawks and then lose their pick for the year. And then all they have left to build on is that second-round pick. Don't get me wrong, you could find a diamond in the rough like many teams have had in the past. Uh, like I Memphis forgot with about the Grizzlies. Yeah, I forgot about the Hawks having our pick, so we definitely then do need a lottery pick. Yeah, so I maybe think- trade Kevin Love, get a lottery pick, maybe get a second rounder or two. But especially with this draft class coming in, man, it is so loaded. This draft class that's you know, Zeon Williams, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish. Bowl, uh, bowl, a bunch of these young guys in college right now. Man, they are so good right now, and uh, just watching all their highlights and stuff, you you can only watch how good these kids are, and just only imagine what their NBA careers could be. So the Cavs, I think, should do this. I don't know about getting a pick. If anything, they should at least see what they could get for Kevin Love. Maybe not a superstar but at least maybe a, maybe a good young yeah, player mm-hmm, maybe like a Brandon Ingram or some, get someone a, good get a Brandon Ingram that might actually be good for us and the Lakers because we could probably develop Ingram here yeah and Kevin Love and LeBron have a chemistry going together so I think if you if you bring Kevin Love to LA, I think that team could make the playoffs. I really do. Yeah, I I would agree. But remember, this is the West we're talking about, though. So. It, I, I'm not saying it isn't, but I said both the Cavs and the Lakers need to make a move. I think this could be good for both teams because Brandon Ingram is, uh, him and LeBron, I think, are kind of struggling to find a chemistry going right now. Yeah, even though on social media he's calling him his young king, which I don't know why. But it it's an interesting thing. You know, the Cavs definitely have a lot of moves. But social make. media said that about Kyrie Irving for three years while LeBron was in Cleveland. LeBron and Kyrie played three years together. Mm-hmm. Everyone was saying, oh, LeBron, Kyrie, LeBron, Kyrie this, LeBron, Kyrie that. They're doing the same thing about Brendan Ingram. But you could see there's really not a good chemistry going on between the two. And you, and you obviously saw, you, going back it, to Kyrie, he left. He left whenever LeBron, you know, he he left Cleveland. Obviously, that speaks to something. You know, we can talk about this on a different episode. But seeing seeing something like that, seeing another star that that wanted to stay in Cleveland, and moves because of LeBron. That's just here's the here's the thing with LeBron. These other all stars love LeBron as a buddy. Mm -hmm. They hate playing on the same team with him. Because he demands so much from them. You're not wrong. You're, you're, you're he's kind of like the guy like he's even mentioned it before. He really doesn't have a lot of patience when it comes to losing. You're right. He and he not. loses his temper very easily. And sometimes and he and he also always has he cannot share the spotlight with anyone. He needs to keep other All-Stars in second place, and they don't like that. They want to prove that they are. I mean, yes, they want to win. And in a lot of ways, they do respect LeBron because he does want to win so badly. But they just know that with him on the team, the attention, the star is LeBron James. Yeah, that's something that a lot of teams don't – well, not a lot of teams. That's a lot of – things that players don't want because you know if we, you know, we'll talk about that some other episode uh so let's get into the wizards right now mac uh, the wizards are now one in five after their blowout loss to the to the alley clippers uh sunday night 136 to 104 scott brooks though after being interviewed by the media is confident that he will end up keeping his job uh the wizards still have the wizards still have not had uh, dwight Howard to play with yet uh, due to his tailbone injury, uh, however, he is rumor. Uh, excuse me. Uh, so should Scott? Should, excuse me. So should Scott be worried about losing his head job, his his coaching job, if the team continues to underperform? And here's some stats from that game, Mac, on Sunday. The Clippers shot 54 percent from the field, 
and they were 16 and 29 from the three point line. If you're Washington, that cannot continue, and you're one in five because of bad defense. What do you have to say? Do you th- do you think Scott should be worried about his job? I do, just because of the talent that Washington has. Washington's got a lot of talent. And the sad thing is, is this talent never really got to show. The only time I think they got to show who they really are was taking Boston to the Game 7 in the semi-conference finals two years ago. Yep, you were right. Other than that, they've really never done much in the playoffs and have kind of struggled. I mean, last year they should not have been the eighth seed. That Wizards team should have easily... I mean, I know John Wall was hurt, but that team still should be easily a fourth or fifth seed team with the talent they have. And now add... I know Dwight Howard hasn't played yet, but now add Dwight Howard. They have more talent. Wall, Beal, and Porter should be getting better at their point in their career. Last year was kind of like a setback year for them. Yeah, I would agree on that. So... I think Scott Brooks might need to go just because of the – well, Scott Brooks, I don't even know if you can even say he's that good of a coach because there's that old saying, like I said before, you win with talent. He was successful in Oklahoma. Who did he – he got them into a finals appearance. Who did he have? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and I think a young up-and-coming Serge Ibaka. Yep. Washington, who does he have? John Wall. Bradley Beal. Otto. Porter. Junior. I mean, Gortat, I don't even think was a bad player. Morris, I don't think was a bad player. This Wizards team is not a bad team. They should not have finished eighth in the conference last year. They should not be one and five right now. The coach has got to go. I'm sorry. You know, I would say give it another game or two, uh, preferably, just because um, at least see what he can do with a healthy Dwan on the floor. I have seen reports that he's going to come back and play this Friday against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Don't quote me on it, but that's just what I've seen due to reports. If he if he doesn't win that game, I think that he does have to go because this is management's first look at a healthy Wizards team. And if they do really, really bad, I think that he should be gone immediately. And they should at least look to, they should at least be looking to hire someone right after he's fired. For sure. So let's get on to the next question of the episode today. And that is actually OKC themselves. Oklahoma City finally won a game uh, last Sunday night as the Thunder beat the Suns 117-110. to uh, Mac, will, will this win finally help the team get on track to after a shaky one and four start to start this season? I don't know. I think it should because the Thunder are also a team that have a lot of talent, mm-hmm. and they got a lot of, and they're not that old either. Russell Westbrook is like twenty seven, twenty seven, and Paul George is probably like twenty eight, twenty nine. Well, Russ will be older than Paul George. So I'm thinking Russ will probably be at your 29. Oh, PG, PG be 27. 27. Yep. Yeah, so they're not that old of a team. So they're a team that's kind of in their prime right now. The Thunder are that team. I feel like if they were in the Eastern Conference, they'd have a good chance to make it to the finals. Without a doubt. But because they're in the West... This team struggles to get to the finals because they have to go up against Golden State. They have to go up against Houston. I think they do turn it around just because of the talent they have and they're in their prime right now. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to turn it around. Uh, It's definitely going to take some time, but I do think that they will eventually turn it around. Uh, You know, they just haven't been able to get – they've been getting open looks. They just haven't been hitting shots, which we'll get to here in a second. But they have, like you said, a lot of talent. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, uh, Steven Adams. Andre Roberson, whenever he comes back, he's a big key to that defense. They've been doing okay without him, but he's a huge part to that defense, and he's definitely a key contributor on that end of the floor. But here's something that I wanted to bring up to you again, Mac. Um, OKC ranks dead last almost every single offensive statistical category. 
uh, except for turnover ratio, which they are 22nd in. So can OKC eventually find its groove offensively with this one? Because they are struggling mightily. They're shooting dead last in the league, and they're just dead last in the league. You can shoot you know, regularly threes, three throws, everything. I think OKC is one of those teams that can probably turn it around just because they're OKC. I mean, they have one some of the most talented scorers in the game. I mean, not. Th- I don't know if you could say the most, but they have some of the te- most talented players in the game offensively. So yeah, I would agree. I think with a Russell Westbrook, with a Paul George, this team does turn it around pretty quickly. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll turn it around too. I don't know about being quickly, but I know that they'll eventually find their stride offensively to where they can uh, just get hot again because they've been miserable. From on the offensive side of the, definitely, the floor. They definitely have been. Especially when you look at the numbers. You know, about 37% as a team from the field, 22% from three, 68% from the line. Those just aren't good numbers to start out your year when you're, when you're projected to be roughly a top four team, top five team in the West. I understand Carmelo Anthony's gone, that's going to help you, but... You have to find your groove offensively first to start the season. I would rather them be better defensively than offensively. I know it's hard, but they've kind of been that a little bit. And they've gone you know, 0-4 because of it, and then they finally got their win against the Suns. But their offense is just going to fall right into place, in my opinion. It's going to come, I think, sooner rather than later. They've got to hit their stride, but I know it's eventually going to come. So let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors. Those two teams are the only undefeated teams left in the NBA, and they both square up on Monday night, which will be two nights. So both Milwaukee and Toronto will face off. But both teams will be without their star players as Giannis will be out uh, dealing with the NBA's concussion protocol. He hasn't cleared that yet. And Kawhi Leonard will not play due to uh, resting off of a back-to-back game. Uh, so, which player will be missed uh, more in Monday's uh, matchup, uh, Mac? Kawhi or Giannis? Who do you got? Uh, I'm probably going to go with Kawhi. I know Giannis is a very good player, but let's look at the talent that um, the Bucks have compared to the talent that the Raptors have. Kawhi has come into the Raptors this year, and he's made a huge impact on this team. He seems happy again, and the Raptors are doing very well with him. Giannis is a very good player, but the Bucks have some talent around him. They have their Middleton. They have their Bledsoe. Kawhi only really has Kyle Lowry as another key piece, so I'm going to say... Kawhi's a bigger loss right now than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. I think that, you know, like you said, Kawhi's only got Kyle Lowry. And that not only does it affect them on the offensive end, but it affects them on the defensive end as well, particularly defensively, because Kawhi's won two defensive player of the year awards back-to-back. And we know how, how he was, how good he was in those, in those final series against Miami, guarding LeBron. And uh, you know other stars like Kevin Durant, Iguodala when he was really good in his years, uh, just a phenomenal offensive and defensive player. He's sorely going to be missed for this Raptors team. And besides Kyle Lowry, like you said, who else they got? Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, Valanciunas. Yeah, it's decent offense, but. The only two two players that you have really to carry your offense would be, well, I guess you could say three would be, you know, Lowry, Ibaka, and Valanciunas. So I agree with you. I definitely think that Kawhi is the better player missed. And then, Mac, I think it's probably going to be the obvious uh, question coming up. Who, 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 do you, who do you see being at the top of the East after this game? Because obviously, one's going to be unanimously first, the other one's going to be unanimously, unanimously second. So I, got? S- I see Milwaukee taking out this win just because of the other talent and role players they have. I mean, other starters and role players because Middleton and Bledsoe, I think, can find a way to get the win together. 
because Kyle Lowry has to carry Toronto all by himself, basically. Mm-hmm. Where Middleton and Bledsoe are two other very good players. And not saying they're all stars, but they're very good players together. I think they can pull out the W. Yeah, I agree. I think that Milwaukee will win because you know, Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez. They have a they have a good starting five, even though Giannis isn't going to be there. They have other ways to pick up offense and defense, because we know that Bloodsoe's a pretty decent defender, and so is Chris Middleton. Brooke Lopez, you know, he's not a bad defender. I wouldn't put him in the elite category. I'd say he's a good defender, but not... A uh, great defender. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, they have probably... They don't have as much bench production, though, on Milwaukee than what Toronto has, which is something that I will be looking at in that game. Uh, to see whose bench does better, probably just because the bench is really going to carry. The benches are really going to determine who wins this game. As without the star players, you have to see what production you can get out of this from either team. Missouri you know, Toronto's bench has been really good. They were first in the league last year in bench production. Milwaukee's was, I believe, 16th, if I'm not mistaken. So. It's going to be interesting tonight to see which bench comes out on top and who automatically wins this game. So let's talk about DeMar DeRozan back. I think he's been kind of an unsung hero so far this season. Uh, he's looking very comfortable in San Antonio right now. In a oh, he is. He definitely uniform. is. Uh, so right now his uh, statistics currently 27.2 points per game, 6.0 rebounds, 7.8 assists, one steal, two-tenths of a block. 48% from the field, 30% from three, and 80.6% from the line for the Spurs this year. Uh, what do you think of the Spurs so far this year, Mac? Uh, you know, a lot of people have been writing them off because they lost Kawhi in the offseason. Uh, I, I would say I think you're kind of crazy for writing the Spurs off, but what do you think? <laughs> I said that in the beginning. You're definitely crazy for writing the Spurs off because, as we said before, you can never count the pop out. No, can you? No, well, you never can. You know, he's got that that huge streak going where he's been in the playoffs since. He's is it ninety seven or is it ninety nine? I want to say ninety nine. Ninety nine, he won his first title, but he's been in the playoffs since ninety seven. Yeah, so it's been it's since been the year he got streak. Tim Duncan. He's been in the playoffs. You can never count that guy out. No, he's so smart in how he does his offense and defense. He is, in my opinion, one of the greatest coaches this game has ever seen if not the greatest. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that statement. But DeMar DeRozan, he just set the bar higher for this team this year. Yeah, I uh, think this team this year, the the way everything's going right now, I could see this team in the semi-conference finals, maybe even the Western Conference finals. I don't see them going, beating Golden State, but I could see them getting into the Western Conference Finals very easily. I don't know about Western Conference Finals. I'd say semis, but not really Western Conference. Um, I think Spurs have been really good. You know, they've played Spurs kind of basketball. DeRozan's averaging career high in assists, 7.8. He's been doing really, really well. Uh, for San Antonio, Pops really kind of tailor-made the system for both him and Aldridge, which is nice to see that he's integrated both of their games in the one system, which is Grandly huge right now. Uh, you know, I, I still see Spurs making the playoffs. And here's my next question to you, Mac. Will the Spurs playoff streak be snapped this year? I, I don't see it. I, think I don't see it either. And I, as long as Popovich is there, it's gone this long. I say that streak goes on for infinity and beyond with Greg Popovich there. Yeah, I would say until Pop retires, it'll stay. Okay, like I said, infinity and beyond as long as Popovich yeah. is there. Yeah, I agree with you. It, Popovich, it's not ending under Popovich's watch. No, the, this team has more talent than what people are giving it. Uh, you know, they still have Rudy Gay, who's a very good scorer. Uh, not the best defender, but he's a good scorer. They have a decent bench, and they have, like you said, one of the best coaches of all time in Popovich. And now they're not, I mean, it's kind of cool because you think um, the Spurs would have to rebuild like once they lost Duncan, Ginobili, and Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. 
They haven't really. If anything, they kind of um, did re- revamped. Did Ginobili finally retire, or is he still playing somewhere? Yes, he finally retired. So la- last year he retired. Yes, that was his last year. Last year Ginobili retired. Yeah, I, I just I never heard anything of him, so I was assuming he retired. But I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure he wasn't really a bench player. And I know Tony Parker, after all these years with the Spurs, left to go to the Hornets. Yes, sir, he did. It was an interesting. Move that that was left. kind of just heartbreaking. Just seeing someone. Oh, yeah. Why would you leave a team that you've been on for so many years? Maybe it was just because um, everyone there from when he was there was gone, and it was just time for the Spurs to move on. And I guess you know, I we could probably get into that. I think it was maybe that whole year kind of took a toll on him. I think last season kind of took a toll on him. And said, "Hey, I'm going to go play somewhere else. I think I can go at least one more year. Let me go play somewhere else." And he did. So obviously, there have been a lot of surprises so far this season, Mac. Uh, so, but what is your biggest surprise so far this season? You can pick anything, anything at all. What is your biggest surprise so far? My, my biggest surprise so far this year is the impact both Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan are making on their new teams. I thought that was an interesting trade. I didn't know who would win out in that deal, but it seems like the trade worked for both teams. I did not see that happening. Yeah, that that is a good surprise. I think my biggest surprise would be I'm gonna say the Lakers struggling really far. I know I understand that. Okay, it happens every year with a LeBron team. Uh, to me, they are exactly where they should be. You know, below 500. I didn't, I didn't see anything less. I didn't see anything more. I just, you know, I see. All, all these surprises to me are just everyone saying, oh, they're going to make the playoffs and easily to the Western Conference Finals. Like, what are you thinking? You know, I, under, I understand this that, it, that is, is LeBron James, but LeBron James is human. LeBron, yeah, he is human. I'm starting to think more and more, if he gets this Lakers team into the playoffs, it's a fairy tale story. Yeah, unless they go out and make a big trade. But I, I don't know if that will happen. I just I just can't I mean, see the Lakers making the playoffs. Like even la- if, last year, I thought um, LeBron getting the Cavs into the finals was a fairy tale story. I really did. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I thought, well, yeah, I would agree with you. It was kind of a fairy tale. Like, let, let, I said in February, let's get into the real world. The Cavs aren't making it to the finals. Man, they proved us all wrong and went in there, but they did get swept, unfortunately. I, I mean. Hey, they did get swept. That part didn't surprise me because still just to make it to the finals last year for the Cavs was awesome. Oh, yeah, it was definitely awesome. But, yeah, that's my biggest surprise. I think the reason why I say it is just because you know, everyone's saying they're going to make it so far in the playoffs when they forget to accept the fact of reality that this team doesn't have any defense or rebounding, or any perimeter defense, low post defense. You need that in the Western Conference. Exactly. You, you need that. You need that. JaVale McGee cannot be your only no, sole he can't. player. He just he can't. He just can't. There's no way. So I think this was interesting, Mac. I, I saw this the other day, and I wanted to touch on this on the second episode. And uh, former uh, University of Louisville head coach Rick Pitino is expecting to hear from some NBA coach, uh, some NBA teams this off, this coming off season. Uh, for coaching for a coaching position, uh, do you think he'd be a good coach in coach in the NBA? Now you remember the scandal that he was involved in, where the NCAA took away Louisville's only title from the school that they had. So what what do you, do you think that he would be a good coach in the NBA if he was to get hired by someone? And who and who would you um, who do you think should hire him? Hmm. I think he could be a good coach. I mean, he's still a very good coach. Yes, I do think he was wrong in his scandal a couple years ago, but I think everyone deserves a second chance. Mm-hmm. And I might have to say the Lakers, because minus LeBron, they have a very, very, very young team. And Brad Stevens came in from Duke. He's probably one of the best coaches in the game today. Wait a sec. Brad Stevens came from... Butler. No, it was Butler. Yes. Yeah, he coached Gordon Hayward. Yes, and Gordon Hayward came from Butler. Butler. Yep. So 
he's done very well in the NBA, and he was a very su- successful coach at college too. I think this guy could be, but he needs to be in a young team and know how to develop players. I see him going to the Lakers. That's interesting. That's an interesting Because they are a young team besides mm-hmm. LeBron, and I think he could do something with them like Brad Stevens did with Boston. Mm-hmm. He was a great coach at Louisville. He was winning the title with a uh, really under uh, – a team with not a lot of talent. They ended up in beating Michigan with Trey Burke and them in their season. If I was Patino, I would not immediately go for a head coaching job because you don't want to be thrown right into the fire. I per- um, I, pers- I, w- I personally think he should become an assistant head coach first. I agree with that. Because you don't want to try and get thrown into the fire straight away and then you get fired after one season. This is true. Because you want to learn the ropes from coaches that have been there in the past. If anything, go to a place like a Golden State where Steve Kerr has been doing well with uh, you know, like he did well with Luke Walton or Boston, even yeah, or Bra- even Boston under yeah. Brad Stevens, mm-hmm. probably one of the most successful coaches to ever come from the NCAA to the NBA. Yeah, excuse me, I agree. So, I wouldn't say go to like a really storied franchise like that. Just with, just be with a coach that knows what he's doing and learn under him. You know, you could even go Agreed. to the Cl- you can even go to the Clippers and Doc Rivers. You could go to, um. Who else? You go to Eric Spolstra in Miami. Eric Spolstra. You're, Mike you're, D'Antoni in Houston. You go Pop, even. You can even Greg Pop. Popovich. Um, that Nate guy from the Pacers. Nate McMillan. Yeah, you could do him as well. Nate McMillan. He's not a bad coach at no, all. No, not at all. You could even do Brett Brown in Philly. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I love about Nate McMillan is the Pacers, you don't think they're going to be that great of a team. They're always in the playoffs somehow. Some way, somehow, they're always in it. You know what, uh, what, uh, what uh, Navik Millen's nickname is? What? Mr. Sonic, or Mr. Seattle. He was a player for the Sonics whenever they were still in Seattle, and, man, he was Mr. Sonic. That, that's his nickname. He is Mr. Sonic. So, Mac, I think we got to get on to some off, off-topic topics. Yes, indeed we do. So let's get to... Two of these off-topic topics, real quick, and then unfortunately we'll have to end the show or, or this episode of Ballers Paradise podcast. Uh, since Mac and I, you know, we are kind of Browns fans a little bit, we want to talk about this a little bit. Uh, you know, both Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. Uh, you know, obviously Hugh Jackson being the head coach, Todd Haley the offensive coordinator or the OC. Uh, both were fired today from Cleveland from the uh, Browns coaching staff. Jackson and Haley reportedly could not see eye to eye on certain ideas on the coaching side as well as uh, play calling and what to do with Baker Mayfield and having to trade away picks and stuff like that. Uh, Hughes' record as the Browns head coach is three wins, 36 losses, and one tie. That is the second-worst record for an NFL coach in NFL history, which is 218th out of 219th NBA uh, NFL coaches. Pardon me. Uh, so defensive coordinator Greg Williams will be taking over the interim head coaching duties for the remainder of the season, so that's about 10 games roughly. Uh, so, Mac, what do you think about the firings? I think uh, at least Hugh Jackson's was long overdue. What do you think? I agree with that statement. I think it was long overdue. They should have fired him after he won 0-16. Only the second team in NFL history to do that. Do you know what the first one was? The Detroit Lions back in 2008. That is correct. So, he should have been fired after last year. He really should have been. And this year, after um, another struggling year, another struggling start, yeah, sure, he won two wins this year. That's better than his record in the last two years. He's got to go. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree. I think he should have been fired. Todd Haley, if he doesn't know what to do with Baker Mayfield, got to go. I agree with you. I think Hugh Jackson should have fired after last season. I think that's unacceptable. I think the city of Cleveland, the state of Ohio, deserves so much better. Oh, it than does. That, than that by far. And I think that parade was just a big mockery for for the organization that the city. You know of what it really was? They did that parade more as a protest for the diehard Browns fans to just say like, "We are disappointed in you." Yeah. That, that you 
did it. I mean, I don't really recall um, the players like Hugh Jackson riding in it or something. And if they did that, it was probably just everyone came out just to boo them. Yeah. Hugh Jackson was just, he was one of the better offensive coordinators in his day, but man, he's a head coach, he was off. And he's not really the most intelligent person either. I mean, he even said, and he did this too, if we go 115 or worse, I'm going to jump into Lake Erie. He jumped into Lake Erie June 1st. Who, wouldn't you want to jump into Lake Erie on June 1st? No, because I know how disgusting it is up there. (laughs) I don't know, but still, that should still be your reward for winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I would take that as a good as a good reward instead of a bad reward in that sense. He just didn't know what he, to do. He, he I mean, jumped in on June first. I mean, that just everyone he should have jumped in in March at least, where he wouldn't have gotten hypothermia. But at the same time. It would have still been cold enough where it would have should have been a consequence. Yeah, had that's to jump true. into Lake Erie. That's true. Hugh Jackson, you know, we heard the reports of him wanting to trade the picks for good quarterbacks. At the time, you said something like, "What was it? Carson Wentz? They wanted to trade a pick for Carson Wentz, if I'm not mistaken." The first that, pick. That, that's that's a lie. He he was making up lies after he left. Was that on first take or? That was. Uh, I was getting articles saying that he was lying, like that Carson Wentz, he, ah, he wanted okay. Carson Wentz. Um, it was just a bunch of lies. Just a bunch of hoopla, apparently. Well, she Jackson just wasn't the best match for Cleveland. The Todd Haley firing, I just, I really don't know how to think about that because, you know, if anything, I see this more of Hugh Jackson being the problem and not really Todd Haley. Because, you know, he's Todd, not Todd Haley. Hugh Jackson's the head honcho. He makes all the calls. He has the coaches' meetings. He he has everything, though. And another thing, they asked Hugh Jackson something about Todd Haley. This is another reason why they got rid of him. He came out and he said, I'm the coach of the team. That's it. They don't have any say or something like that. He said that. Yeah, that's something you can't say to the media at all. He didn't. I remember the reports coming out of him wanting the coaching, the, um, the, uh, I believe the play sheet for the games to make the calls for offensive coordinator. Being the head coach, that's something you just can't do at all. You can't. Another thing, this is, I think, high school level stuff. They don't even really do this in college. Took away the, their stripe saying, we have to, we can't play with our stripe until we start winning again. Because we have to earn our stripe back. Hmm, that's just not really. I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not much of a football guy. But Todd Haley's firing to me was just more of a thing. Having Hugh Jackson say all that stuff and say, "Oh, he said it, so it must have been true." You know, Todd Haley. I don't know how long he's been with the organization, but I don't. I would rather trust Todd Haley more than Hugh Jackson. Honestly, the man. Made Cleveland zero sixteen in one year. He did, and that's just something that you can't do. Uh, I think he almost did it two years in a row. If the Chargers didn't bench all their players, that's true. That 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 is true. I if the Chargers started Philip Rivers that one game, the Chargers would have won, and then that would have been back to back zero and sixteen seasons for the Browns. Yeah, yeah, I remember that too. I remember that. I think Greg Williams is going to do good as an interim head coach, though, even though he's a defensive coordinator. I think he's going to do really well. I, I do, do, too. I think he's going to do really, really well. Uh, so, second question for you, Mac. Who should Cleveland hire in place of Hugh Jackson? Who, who, do you, who, do you think, who do you think they should hire? I don't know exactly who they should hire. Maybe they should hire Greg Williams for now, but in the end, maybe you get a Rex Ryan or a John Fox. Or that guy who used to coach the Detroit Lions, who was 8-8 eight and eight that one year, and then they fired him. I can't remember his name. But I agree with the Rex Ryan, though. But continue. But yeah, I mean, they should get some of these coaches who have playoff experience. Sure, they might not be the greatest coaches. They were probably fired because their team thought of someone better. But 
these coaches have some playoff experience and they're better than Hugh Jackson. So I think they can help get us somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to say Rex Ryan, not because, only because that's the only NFL coach that I know. I I just think Rex Ryan, you know, he did, didn't do bad with the Jets by any means. I thought he was a great coach for them. Although they didn't have the success under him that they would have liked. I think he's a very good coach. I think he's a very sound coach. I think he would do well with a young Cleveland team like this. I think he would probably mentor Baker uh, along with Tyron Taylor. I think that uh, Baker would really benefit from having Rex Ryan in the locker room. Yeah, I think it would just be better for both sides, personally, both offensively and defensively, because Rex Ryan knows what he's doing. He would exactly. Uh, he'd be a great relationship coach too. I think he builds great relationships. On top of that, roughly. So that that would be my pick for Cleveland. You know, I think uh, before I move on to the next thing, do you think Greg Williams is going to be a good interim head coach? What do you think? He's going to be good, bad, ugly? Eh, I don't know. I mean. He didn't – I think he'll be okay. I you know, I don't think he's going to be bad by any means. You know, this is the Browns for goodness sakes. But I think they'll do better under Under him, him than they did under Hugh Jackson, let's by, just say that. By far, by far, in my opinion, just because he's a very good defensive coordinator, but I think he knows the game of football with Hugh Jackson – didn't really look like he knew the game of football, honestly, when he, he was didn't. coaching. He didn't. When he was coaching. It just turned into a mockery, if you will. It just wasn't something that not only as a non-football fan that I I lost a lot of respect for that guy. That's something you can't really have is a loyal fan base like Cleveland and the state of Ohio turned against you for that. That's just not right. I think Greg Williams is going to do fine. I think he's going to do well with Baker. I think he's going to be fantastic. And, I, of course, I don't see him doing phenomenal getting into the playoffs by any means. I think that they're going to do just fine, though. Uh, so let's get into our final off-topic topic, and then we'll have to eventually uh, end the show, which is going to be very, very sad. But, Mac, if you had to play in the NBA, who would you want to be coached by? Probably Greg Popovich. Can you give some expl- explanation, please? And the reason I want to be coached by Greg Popovich is because the players just don't give up on him. He's firm. It's difficult to play for Popovich, but he respects you. He respects you and you respect him. That's how it is because, you know, he wants to win so badly and he will push you to be the best you can be. Yeah, Pop is a really good answer. I like Pop just because, you know, it's kind of a tough love Um Processes way he likes to do he likes to go off of like tough love. He does and stuff like that. It definitely works out, especially you know when he when Aldridge first came to San Antonio. Obviously, he was getting frustrated with the lack of touches, and then Popovich said, "Hey, come to my office and let's discuss this. Work this out. Make sure you're not upset anymore." I thought that was really ground his part. Excuse me. Uh, if I had to be coached with someone, I would go by known probably someone like Steve Kerr. You know, I would love to be coached by Steve Kerr. I'm not saying that because he's won the three rings in four years and probably going to be four and five after the season. It's just of how good of a coach he is and what he's done with an organization like Golden State, a team that got out in the first round the year before he was hired into a championship contending team and how the players respect him so much. I think that's something that a lot of people don't get is that he has so much respect for the players and our players have so much respect for him because Steve Kerr has been a phenomenal player. You know, he played with Michael Jordan and he played with Tim Duncan, two of the best players of all time, roughly. And he's won five rings, so he knows what it's like. He's super smart guy. He's a very smart guy, very nice guy. Uh he's just a phenomenal coach. He takes the time out of his day to make sure you know, players are okay. Uh, you know, he does runs practices really well. He has developed coaches like Luke Walton, and now he's developing Mike Brown. You see Luke Walton not doing too bad of a job in L.A., but you know they're losing right now, of course, which is expected. But Steve Steve Kerr is just a phenomenal coach, in my opinion. He I is. Think. I I don't blame you for taking him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be coached by anyone else. 
So that's going to end uh, the second episode of Baller's Paradise Podcast. Uh, Mac and I thank you very much for tuning in to this episode. Uh, you know, this is on. If you're listening to this on YouTube or wherever you can put your comments in, make sure you put your comments in the comments section. And we will pick the best for the third episode of Baller's Paradise Podcast. Or if we don't get any, we will come up with our own from the uh, most recent topics in the NBA. So from myself and Matt Gilbert, we thank you for tuning in today. And have a good one, everyone. Good night, everybody.